Alright, well good morning. So glad you're here to worship the Lord and get into His Word. As I like to say, the Word getting into us and doing something awesome through us. And we know that the Word, the word of the Lord comes out and it does not come back void. And we have open ears. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That It does something awesome. The Word of God definitely divides um, in our own soul and, and just makes us really think. Think about what's going on and, and what's happening. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, but I'm also sad because this is the last week of our sermon series, Holding Nothing Back. Uh, we've had the opportunity uh, as, as, um, as a church to look at the book of Leviticus. Not a lot of... Uh, not a lot of sermon series going through the book of Leviticus these days, but, uh, but we took it, we looked at it, and man, you guys, I, I believe I'm, from the stories I've heard and just talking to people, you've heard some awesome things. You, you've, you've seen in your own life and just looking at the book of Leviticus uh, some things from the Lord that, that he's doing. Um, that uh, It's just good, all around, very excited. And uh, just heard some really good stuff, uh, just going through this book and uh, seeing what the Lord has. Because we've looked at, as we've looked at the book of Leviticus, we've seen how in the Old Testament everything pointed to Jesus. How we saw the picture of grace and all these different symbols, all these different pictures. And as we look to the New Testament, as we see Jesus fulfilling and become and being that person of grace. We no longer have to have the pictures now. We have the person that walks alongside us and that carries us in our hard times. Um, speaking of which, I remember uh, way back when, um, when I was in uh, going from 6th grade to 7th grade. Um, I, I had uh, been almost put in juvenile prison a couple times by that time. <laughs> I, uh, I had done, I was kind of a hoodlum. I was a, I was a little criminal. Um, and a part of that was I, I didn't have the easiest home life. My mom would always try to drag me to church, um, and, and I fought it a lot of times as a kid. Sometimes I would hide, and she'd give up trying to find me, and then I'd get to stay home all by myself. Um, but, uh, but when she got me there, I was the kid that was, uh, you know, stealing stuff from the church. Yes, I was that bad. Um, you know, and so, uh, but I remember there was this thing called camp. Uh, youth camp. Anybody out there ever been to youth camp or winter camp or summer camp? Yeah, and, and, and we used to go to this place called Hume Lake. And it's about four or five hours, I think that way? I'm not exactly sure. It's somewhere above Fresno, about an hour above Fresno in the, in the central Sierras. Gorgeous, gorgeous place. Um, if you've never been there, I, I recommend going there. It's awesome. But they have this big old camp called Hume Lake, and it's been around for a long time. And, and I used to love my grandparents, because they knew the kind of criminal I was, would, would pay for me to go. <laughs> like, maybe this will help him. Um, and so my brother and I would go up there, and I remember 6th grade to 7th grade, went up there, and I had the greatest time. Um, but I remember sitting there in, 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 in the audience with like 400 other junior high kids, and, and it was like the, the, the pastor, or the speaker, who was just talking just to me. You, you ever had that experience? I mean, he just, when he was talking, it was like, does he know me? Did, did my mom send him information about me? Because I swear he's talking right to me. And there was one night where I just, he, they dismissed everybody, but I just couldn't get up. You know what I mean? I just was sitting there. It was like my, I had lead shoes on. And, and I just could not get up. I could not go and, and go back to my cabin without doing business with God. Without really just seeing this God that I had been hearing about this whole week that, that, that held nothing back for me. I just couldn't believe it. 
I mean, I didn't even like myself. You know what I mean? People would say, people would say, oh, Jesus loves you. And I'd go, no, he doesn't. <laughs> I don't even love myself. I'm a bad person. But, but I heard and, and I saw the Lord that week. And really just, and I actually filled out one of those cards in one of my Bibles. I, I have, it was 1988. And I filled out a card and, and some of you, some of you are like, wow, he's old. Some of you are like, he's that young. Um, <laughs> but I, but I filled this out and, and I still have it today. I still have it today because that was the day I really, I really just said, Jesus, I, I, I want to walk with you. I want you to walk with me because I need you. I need you. And the rest of that week was great. And, and I remember I stayed up all night crying with my counselor, you know, because I'm, I'm a big baby. If you've been here longer than a week, you know I'm a big baby, and I cry usually when I'm up here. And so even as a kid, I was a big baby, and I was crying, you know. For but it, it felt great. I finally de- dealt with life, you know, like a lot of the hurts and the and the brokenness around me and in my family and everything. But I just remember the the the, the hardest part about that trip was going home. See, because we all got in our, the vans, you know, and I remember getting in that van, or, or it might have been a bus at the time, I can't remember too much, but I just remember the, the ride home was really difficult. Because as everybody was like, oh, I don't want to leave, I don't want to go, you know, the people were excited, I'm sitting there all by myself just going, I, I have to go back home. And home isn't an easy place. Home is broken. And, and, and there's temptation there. And there's pain there. And there's loneliness. And there's neglect. And, and there's, a, you know, all these things were going through my, my, my little adolescent brain, but I just remember going, I don't want to leave. Because this experience was so great. And now I've got to go back home to reality. And very much so, this is where I want, to, I want us to see today. Where the rubber meets the road. God meets us. God comes and He holds nothing back and then He calls us to follow Him. But we get this experience, but then we've got to go outside. We've got to open those doors and we've got to go to work. We, we have to go home to our families. We have to, go to, we have to go to our extended families. I mean, Thanksgiving's coming up. Most people dread that. <laughs> they love Thanksgiving, but they also realize, oh, I've got to see so-and-so and I've got to deal with this person and I've got to deal with that person. I mean, life is broken. Outside these walls, if shoot, inside these walls. And we have to deal with that. We have to go down that mountain and experience life, which is tough. And just like I was sitting there pondering that, to some extent, as we look, open the Bible to Leviticus 10, it hasn't been longer than a day. And it life smacks right into the face of the Israelites and what they experience. So what I'd like to do really quick is just give you this take-home truth. We try to have a take-home truth every time we look at, the, look at God's Word because if we're not walking away with this with something to hold on to, then we're missing it. And this is what I would say for you is the take-home truth today. What I've seen in Leviticus chapter 10 says this, holding nothing back means we drop our pride before we are ruined, and seek to reflect Jesus daily. See, the truth is, we have God's grace through Jesus, amen? But we still have to choose to walk in it every day. See, I learned about God's grace up on that mountain, but I had to learn to walk in it every day, and to take His hand, or let Him pick me up. And I didn't, I didn't always do that. <laughs> I did not always do that. And so that 
is what we want to look at today. So stand with me as we read God's Word. We're going to jump open here to Leviticus 10. So leap to your feet and let's dive into God's Word. But before we do, let me pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time where we can just have this last moment of looking at the book of Leviticus and, and help us to see the reality of walking with you. Lord, I don't want to just share your word and have it go one ear and go out the next. Because so much so, I sit down, I read your word, and I go, that's nice. And then I walk on and do my thing. But that's not what we want today. We want your word to come inside and do work. And to help us. To help us see where, where we're trying to do it without you. Where we're maybe not walking with Jesus in the grace that you've given us. And we're trying to do it on our own. Help us to reflect you and drop our pride. We thank you in Jesus' name. All right, Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1 says this, Aaron's son, Nadab and Avihu, took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense, and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. That's one of those moments when you go, uh-oh, you know what I mean? We'll see. Contrary to his command, so the fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Moses then said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke of when he said, among those who approach me, I will be proved holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. Aaron remained silent. Now verse 4, Moses summoned Mishael and Elzaphan and sons of Aaron, uncle Azil, and said to them, Come here, carry your cousins outside the camp, away from the front of the sanctuary. So they came and carried them, still in their tunics, outside the camp. And Moses ordered, as Moses ordered, Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, Do not let your hair become unkempt, and do not tear your clothes, or you will die, and the Lord will be angry. Do not even mourn. You see what's going on here? This is some crazy stuff. Don't even mourn. Or you. Or it says, for you will pay. But the Lord will be angry with the whole community. But your relatives and all the Israelites may mourn for those the Lord has destroyed by fire. Do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting or you will die because the Lord's anointing oil is on you. So they did as Moses said. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you and your sons are not to drink wine or other fermented drink whenever you go into the tent of meeting or you will die. This is the lasting, a lasting ordinance for the generations to come so that you can distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean, so you can teach the Israelites all the decrees the Lord has given them through Moses. Okay, you can be seated. Wow, right? This, what's going on here? <laughs> like, okay, I know what some of you are thinking because when I read this, I was like, a part of me goes, wow, there he is. Didn't take long. We got that grumpy God again. That really grumpy God who's just striking people down with fire. All that Old Testament brimstone stuff. And that's kind of the, we have to be very careful here. Let me just say this. Because I grew up most of my life in, in church. I, my mom, like I said, my mom would drag me there. But after that moment, I, mean, I would go to church and I would learn. But a lot of times I would look at the Old Testament like, oh man, God was grumpy in the Old Testament. He, he just had, he, he was kind of a big curmudgeon. And I don't mean to disrespect, disrespect the Lord, but to some extent when we, when we look at the Old Testament, we see this God that's, that's doing this or doing that, and it's, man, why is this so? And then all of a sudden we get to Jesus, and it's like love, love, love. What happened? Well, we have to be careful here, because we don't want to misrepresent the Lord. Because the Lord hasn't changed. The Lord is the same Lord of the Old Testament as He is in the New Testament. Amen? And so there's a reason for this, and we want to look at that seriously. Because 
in, in its essence, it comes back to this take-home truth. It, it, it really has to do with that pride that we were talking about. So what's going on? All right, well, verse 10, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Avihu, took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense. Um, now, you have to understand something here. This is before they invented matches or before they invented the big lighter, right? So any of you ever had a Zippo? Zippo, I mean, I used to have friends that had Zippos, again, you know, and they would just always be playing with their Zippo and just messing around. I, I was also, I was a fire person. I used to, like, yeah, that was back in my bad days. I started so many fires, it wasn't even funny. Uh, I'm sorry if things got burned down that you know it might have been me. Um, it, it's crazy. When you look at the pattern of what I was in, I mean, it's amazing that I'm up here today because the things I used to do as a kid, my wife goes, why aren't you in jail? You know, <laughs> like, why? Hey, it's all the Lord. He took care of me. Um, so, so what they used to have is they'd have these sensors and they would put coals in it, hot coals. And these, the sensors were made of brass and they would, they would stay warm and so they could, they could light things and they would smell good and they would light things with it because, again, they didn't have the matches, they didn't have the lighters, and they didn't have all these things. But those priests, these two guys, Nadab and Avihu, they, they took it a, a step too far. See, they knew the procedure. They knew Exodus chapter 30, verse 7, because it had been described to them. They walked through it. These were the priests. They were the ones that got sat down and grilled. And remember, in that day, they had to memorize the word of the Lord. They needed to know it. It wasn't just like, oh, I missed that class. I didn't get that part. No, they knew this. Every day, they would hear this. They would work it out. They figured this out with Moses as he sat with them, with Aaron. And so they knew the truth. And in Exodus 37, it says Aaron must burn fragrant incense. Aaron, the high priest, must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning and when he tends the lamp. You see, the only the high priest was to do this, but these guys, his sons, took it upon themselves to do it their way. They knew the word of the Lord. They knew what God had said, but they, they kind of just went, yeah, not today. I'm going to do it my way. You see, what I want to just point out here, again, we take notes here just to, just to kind of get it in our heads, but if you're taking notes, holding nothing back means we need to drop our pride. You see, because that's what this comes down to. It's pride, plain and simple. See, Nadab and Avihu, they, they, they wanted it their way. They had met God, they had heard his word, they knew what he expected, but in their pride, they disregarded it. Anybody got kids? I, 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 I hate to, I, I try not to beat them up with the Bible, because that's easy to do a lot of times. And the Bible can be used to bash people more than anything. But sometimes it's like, okay, <laughs> I have to sit them down, because I'll say, hey, you, I love you, go do this. And, and to some extent, they go, no, I don't want to. <laughs> so, I don't know if you've ever had this experience with your kids. And I have to sit them down and go, you know, what you're dealing with right now is pride. Because I'm your parent, and I can end you. <laughs> I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the truth, right? I mean, I wouldn't do that, but, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, it's like, I... I you have clothes on? You're welcome. <laughs> oh, you ate three squares today? You're welcome. You live in my house? You're welcome. Everything you have is because I've given it to you. And all I want you to do is take out the trash. And you're telling me no. <laughs> really? <laughs> Why is it that you tell me no? Well, because you don't want to. You know what I've said, but you say, mm, I don't feel like it. 
See, that, that's, and we all get there, right? I mean, some of us do this very passive aggressively. Now, I've had a lot of jobs, and some of us have a boss that says, go do this, and you're just like, uh huh, in your head, right? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. He'll never find out, he'll never know, I'm not going to do it. We, we battle with this every day. We battle with this because we have a way. We have God and what he's saying to his priests. We have God and what he's saying to us in his word. And then it hits us and we have a choice. Are we going to do it? Are we going to listen? Or, or are we going to just say, no, I, I got a better way. I know what's better for myself. See, another way to describe this is, I have a perfect way to fill the dishwasher. Anybody out there? My way is the best way. And when anybody, I mean, let's just put it this way. When people don't do it the way I say, I really question their salvation. Are you even a Christian? <laughs> Look how you filled that dishwasher. But is there another way to fill the dishwasher? Yeah. But, but we do this, don't we? We have it in our head. And, and, we, and we tell people about it. And when they don't accept it, is there anything worse than opening up and sharing your favorite band with somebody and they're just like, you like those guys? And you're just like, oh no, you didn't. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. How could you not like that band? Oh, I just don't like it. What? I mean, it's deeply offensive almost. Because we're so ingrained with our own selves and what we have and, and it's very hard. But we live in a world where it, it truly is what I want, what I need in my way or the highway. And, and this is what pride is. And this is what Nadab and Avihu are looking at here. Uh, we, we do this, by the way. It, I, and I, I just want to say, I think the number one reason my families are breaking apart is because of this little thing called pride. Uh, I'm a product of a broken home, and a part of that is pride. But, but it, it's at the heart of every relational struggle is this pride. I mean, m m think about it. My significant other, my spouse, will not treat me the way I believe I need to be treated. They won't do for me as I want them to do for me. I I've done a lot of marriage counseling. And, and, and at the heart of it, I've seen two people. And if I were to really just draw it out or take a picture, I wish I could. But this is how it looks. we got one in one chair over here like this. And you've got another in another chair over here like this. And it's my way. No, 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 no. It's my way. It's pride. Now, sometimes, most of the time, there's an equal reason for having that. Because there needs to be this compromise, but, but there's also some stuff there. But the truth is, if we can just drop my way or the highway, if we can drop the pride, we can truly see what the Lord has for us. Because to some extent, how many of us are called to go out and do what God wants us to do? And yet we sit in that chair and we go, mm, that makes me uncomfortable. I want it my way, God. Many, many Christians and churches have become about this. We can come to church and, and have it be about my songs, my people, my sermon. All the while forgetting that it, that it truly isn't about me. And, and in our pride, we, we, can, we can make church about me. Interesting thing is, we don't have to look very far back, but 55 years ago in certain parts of the country, it was preached and taught that if you didn't have a fair complexion and you were not Caucasian, why are you even here? <laughs> You shouldn't be here. There's another church at the other end of the tracks where it's a little less nice 
and they might have running water, but probably not. That's your church. You don't come and worship with us. That's not biblical. Really? I don't see that in scripture. And yet 55 years ago, that's what was preached. Why? Pride. And we can have a tendency to divide than unify. We have a tendency to take scripture and make it what we want. See, that's what Adab and Navihu were doing. Well, see, I believe God wants me to do it this way. Really? Is that what he said? Well, that's not important because this is how I feel. We need to remember that in holding nothing back means we drop our pride. Secondly, pride keeps us from reflecting the person of Jesus. Because in its essence, when we, when, when we have that pride, who are we really reflecting? We're reflecting ourselves, right? See, it was the priest's number one duty. If you were to go back to the ancient world and you were to meet a priest, that priest's number one duty was to reflect that deity, that God, that entity. It was the priest's duty to be the messenger of that God. This is why God, in his first commandment, says there shall be no other gods ahead of me. I'm it. I'm the only one, baby. And you are to reflect me. That's the idea. And so the priests, in their essence, were to reflect God. They were to reflect his person. They were to reflect his grace. This is why Jesus calls his disciples and says, Hey, you're the salt of the world, the light. You are to reflect. Take up your cross. Follow me. Reflect me. See, Nadab and Avihu wanted to reflect themselves more than God. And this is what ultimately led to their downfall. It is the fundamental nature and responsibility of all nature to reflect God. This is why, I mean, people like uh, uh, Einstein had said, I can't look, I can't help but look into all the cosmos and say there's got to be a creator because it reflects him. The purposeness, the purposefulness, the design, it's to reflect God. And that's what we're called to do, especially his priests. Now, this is what happens to Moses. And I just want to take you back a little bit to Numbers chapter 20, because Moses learned this responsibility before this, this moment in Leviticus 10. See, Moses really had to learn this. This was crazy. I don't know if you've remembered this one, but no, Numbers 20, this is an interesting part. Again, the Israelites are complaining. Now, Moses had taken them out of Egypt as slaves, uh, you know, all of them, very much so slaves, and, and, and they weren't really eating well, but compared to wandering in the desert, they kept saying, hey, Moses, you took us out here to die. We have no food, we have no water, and God continued to provide for them. But they were complaining the whole way. Anybody a complainer out there like me? If, if this was Olympic sport, I would be a gold medalist. <laughs> so when I hear about the, the Israelites complaining, I go, okay, I kind of get that. <laughs> But here's the Israelites complaining again. We're going to die. There's no water to drink. And so Moses goes yet again to God and says, Oh, these people that you've given me, they're complaining again. Right? You can just imagine. Poor Moses. He's like 85 right now, 90 years old. He's tired. He's, he's so tired. He's just like, come on. They're complaining again. Anybody ever been there, living in a broken world? Come on. We have a right to complain a lot of times. <laughs> because we live in a world that, that, that's hard not to. 
So basically, God says this to Moses. He says, Moses, I get it. I understand. I want you to go to this rock, and I want you to speak to it. And from that rock, out will come water, fresh water, and my people can drink. Again, God, the God of grace. Here's complainers. Here's people that just totally disregard God. God says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you grace. And he does that. Basically, God is telling Moses, reflect my grace. Reflect my person. Reflect my goodness. Reflect my patience. Go to these people and give them the water that they request. Even if it's not in the right way, reflect me. So what does Moses do? He goes down there and he does something very interesting. Moses comes out and says, Listen up, all you rebels! Did God say talk to the people? No. He said, speak to the rock. But Moses takes it one step further, right? He says, well, I could talk to the rock, or I could tell these people exactly what they need to hear. Anybody out there? I love telling people exactly what they need to hear. How dare you cut me off? If I could talk to you right now, I would tell you a lot of things. How how, how dare you talk to that person? If I could talk to you, I would tell you a lot of things. How dare you cut in line? Let me tell you what you see. I like to do that. You've kept me on hold for how long? Let me tell you what I think of you. Moses stops reflecting God and starts reflecting himself. Pride. Pride. Listen, you rebels. Then he says this. Shall we bring water from this rock? We, Moses? (laughs) Last time I checked, you're just like me. You're not going to bring anything from anywhere. See, in his pride, he not only speaks out and reflects himself, but in his pride, he now makes himself equal with God. Don't we do that? I mean, it's very easy to do. Oh, that person is a jerk. How do you know that? I just know it. You've made yourself equal with God. Being able to judge that person in their internal mechanisms, in their internal thoughts, in everything that they are, spirit, soul, and being, you know because you can see inside of them. No, you you, you can't. But you see how this happens? We, in our pride, we can make it about being equal with God and knowing exactly what that person needs. So, shall we bring forth? And then he he proceeds to take his, his staff and he smashes at it at the rock. Right? And what happens? Well, water comes out of the rock. Did God say to smash the rock? To strike the rock? No. But see, in his anger, in his frustration, in his problems, what happens? How dare these people? And his pride comes out. It just does. And Moses reflects not the God of love and grace and mercy, but he reflects himself. By the way, Moses doesn't make it to the promised land, not because he dies before him, but because God says, remember that time when you smacked the rock and you made yourself equal to me and your pride got in the way? You don't get the reward because you didn't reflect me. Now God in his infinite mercy let him see the promised land, but he couldn't enter into it because God takes this seriously. See, God in His grace sends Moses to speak to the rock, to bring life to the people. But instead, He reflects Himself. You see, we need to reveal Jesus, people. 
Can I just, can I just say that? We, we are called as Christians to reveal Jesus, and yet what are we revealing most of the time? I, I, my wife and I had a discussion the other day as, as we were behind a car that had a nice Jesus symbol on it. And she said, why don't we get one of those? And I go back instantly to what my mom used to say. Well, if I got one of those, people would probably hate Christians. Because I don't drive very well. <laughs> so they might take it bad on, on Jesus, right? Because when I drive, who am I reflecting? Well, I'm reflecting more of myself and my anxiety and my ADD and get out of my way. You know, I'm doing my thing. And I don't want people to, be, I don't want God to be reflected bad. So I just don't get the fish. You know what I mean? Or I just don't get the thing. But, but the truth is, everywhere we go, we're called to reflect God. Even on the road, at our families and everything else. But our pride makes it about me. Uh, see, I don't know if you're like me, but the other day I was with the eighth person on the phone dealing with a bill that wasn't even something I had truly accrued or, or, or actually done to get this bill. And yet here I was, an hour in, on this phone call with people that I don't even know, that I, unfortunately I can barely understand. And they're telling me, you've got to pay, you've got to pay. And I'm going, I didn't do anything. Why should I pay for something that I didn't do? And I don't know if you're like me, but my patience was starting to wear thin. You're probably really good people and you have a lot of patience after an hour and a half on a phone with people that barely understand you, with a bill that you don't even know how you got and you didn't even do. But me, I was doing a little bad. And I started to get more and more frustrated because I've got things to do. I've got a life. Pride comes in. And even in that, when they ask for my account number for the tenth time, <laughs> I told it to the robot! Right? I told it to the automated lady who I can barely understand. I'll tell you where you can put my account number. You, you know what I mean? I mean, come on, I'm not the only one here. But I have a choice. I have the person of grace that I'm called to reflect in that moment. But what will I do? Let me tell you where you can put my account number. That's what I want to say. But if I'm going to be a person of grace, a priest of the Lord, I need to act according to the reflection of Him. Amen? Even when you're on the phone with telemarketers, especially when you're on the phone with telemarketers, Pride keeps us from reflecting the person of Jesus. Now in this instance, we're talking about the incense and the two priests that were burning, right? right burning this incense. It's basically frankincense. What they used to use a lot of times was, was frankincense and it's a sap from a tree. And you can still get frankincense today. It's still very expensive. And it was equally expensive back then. And they would take it. And, and, and the interesting thing about frankincense is it doesn't really smell. But when you burn it, then you get a smell. You ever seen something like that? It's like you smell it and you're like, what is this? You know, it doesn't really have a smell. Maybe it's a plant and you smell it, and, but you put it in your mouth. It's like, whoa, that's got flavor. How come I couldn't smell it? Or the same thing with this frankincense. You would take it, what is this? Put it in fire, boom. You talk about incense to the 26th power. That's frankincense here. Let me just say this represents the reason frankincense is used so much because sometimes our prayers... As we honor God, as we let our pride down, we walk the way of God, it almost doesn't feel like we're doing anything of any value. But God takes that and he explodes it into an aroma that's pleasing to him. Romans 12. Amen? 
This is why the representation of this is so important. And Adab and Avihu take that and just go, my way. This is why Moses, by the way, says, among those who approach me, I will be proved holy. In my sight of all the people, I will be honored. And Aaron remained silent. These are his sons. They just got burned to a crisp. And Aaron remains silent. This has got to be tough. But we have to remember, again, if you're taking notes, pride always leads to ruin. Pride always leads to ruin. Pride goes before the fall, right? Remember that Moses didn't get into the promised land because of his pride. He knows full well about the ruin that pride brings. That's why he reminds Aaron and all the people of what God has said. And if I were to surmise what Moses says, it would, he basically says this, your sons knew what God was calling them to do. Your sons knew God's word. Your sons knew they were called to reflect Him, but they chose not to do it. Again, when we go to work, when we go home, we're called to reflect Him, and when we don't do it, we get exactly what we deserve. And I hate that. I do, because you reap what you sow. And when we don't reflect God, and we reflect ourselves and our pride, that's exactly what we're going to get back. They knew they were supposed to reflect Him. So, a part of this, which is interesting, because it almost seems like a secondary part, but this is very important, and I want you to get this. Why does this affect them so badly? How how does this pride really get a hold of them? Now, if we look at verse 8, it says this, Then the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons are not to drink wine or other fermented drink whenever you go into the tent of meeting or you will die. This wasn't a previous rule, but now all of a sudden it's a rule. Well, why? This is the lasting ordinance for the generations to come so that you can distinguish between the holy and the common. You can distinguish between what is God's and what is not between the clean, unclean and the clean. See, what's interesting here is, is if we were to set this up, I mean, these two boys, they come in, Aaron's sons, they come in, and they've knocked back a couple cold ones. That's the truth. That's what, that's, what he, that's what Moses is saying. These guys have knocked back some cold ones. They're doing what they're supposed you know, but then they take it. And, and, and this is interesting. It's not that God was saying, don't drink. A lot of people will take this and they'll say, don't drink. No, that's not what God's saying here. He's just saying, when you're called to do the Lord's work, you need to be sober-minded. And so much of the time in the New Testament we see that. Peter talks about that. And if I were to set this up here with holding nothing back, it means we take seriously our walk with God. We take this seriously. Remember, it's the priest's role to reflect God. And when we can be cavalier about our walk with God, that's when we let pride creep in. The first sin, murder, real, of all of life was Cain and Abel. And God says something to Cain in his mercy. He says, Cain, be careful. Be wary. Sin is crouching at your door. Pride is crouching at your door. And if you don't be serious, if you stop being serious, if you stop thinking and putting your thoughts on me and following me, it's going to master you. It's going to take you out. And that's the idea of pride. That's the idea of our walk with God. It's not that we are, Christians should be the, the funnest people to hang out with, but we also need to take seriously our walk with God. It's the priest's role to reflect. See, the truth is that God has called you to be sharp and aware, serious with those around you, to take Jesus seriously, holding nothing back. 
when we get out that door, life hits. Family. See, when the tax man comes a knocking, <laughs> I, I can speak personally to this. My wife's getting audited right now. Anybody ever been audited? <laughs> it's not fun. I thank the Lord we've done everything we we're supposed to do right. And it's not because we are just rule followers. Believe me, I am not a rule follower. But we took seriously when God said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. We've given to Caesar. Honor the authorities. Respect the authorities. Okay, God, you've said it. We're going to do it. Even when I don't believe everything they're doing is right, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to give what I'm supposed to give because you've said it in your word. We need to take seriously that. When you go home after a long day of work and you're just tired, it's been a long week, it's been a long year, and you get in that door and people are crying, people are complaining, people are... And all you want is me time. I've been there. But God says, take seriously reflecting my presence. Take seriously Jesus who wants to walk with you. And all I want to do is yell at this person. All I want to do is strike back with this person. All I want to do is hit the rock. You know the interesting thing about that? Is in 1 Corinthians, Paul says that that rock was Jesus. He said when Moses struck that rock, he struck Jesus. See, there is always going to be a way that we're going to try to control, manipulate, and make it about ourselves. But the truth is, all we're doing is hitting God. All we're doing is striking back the person of grace who wants to walk with us. He didn't need to strike the rock. He didn't need in his pride to do those things to get God to do what God had already wanted to do, which was take care of the people. Many of us are kicking against the goad. Many of us are fighting it. But the truth is, when we're holding nothing back, we just come before God honestly and say, Lord, I need you. I'm tired of making it my way. I'm tired of my pride. I'm tired of doing this because I'm getting nothing back but me. And that's not making me happy. This is why we need to let go of pride and grasp onto Jesus. Peter says it this way. Let me just leave you with this in 1 Peter 5, 6 and 8. He says, humble yourselves therefore. Just drop your pride. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. See, Moses had a chance. He could have cast it, but instead he took it and he hit him. Cast your cares and your anxiety on Jesus who will lift you up. And again in verse 8, be alert and sober-minded. Take it seriously. Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If you've learned anything about holding nothing back, it's all about just falling to your knees and saying, Lord, I give everything I have to you. I give you my calendar. I give you my time. I give you my money. I give you my, my cares, my worries, my anxiety, everything I have. I give it to you because it's not mine. In honesty, everything I have is yours. That's all it means to hold nothing back. Don't hold anything back. Holding nothing back means we drop our pride. 
before we're ruined and seek to, and we need to seek to reflect Jesus daily. Amen? Let's go before the Lord. Lord, we thank you. We, we, we thank you that... We thank you for our problems. Let me just say that first. We thank you for the frustrations and the pain in this world. And not because we're, we're, we're sadists and, oh, I love pain. No. But in that pain, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to humble ourselves and say, Lord, not my way. Lord, you sent us your Son. And in His grace and mercy, it says in the book of Philippians chapter 2, that our attitude should be just like him, as we humble ourselves, as, as we do as Jesus did, who, who humbled himself to the point of a servant. Lord, I just think about that time when you had to step up and you had to do what you called him to do. And, and, you, and Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, that's the ultimate form of holding nothing back. Every single one of us here has something that we're holding back. So Lord, I just pray right now that as we, as we look to you, whatever that is, reveal that to us. I just want to take some time really quick as, as the soft music is playing. I mean, it, it, we're just doing that because, I mean, I love soft music. But the truth is, take everything out of the equation and think about the Lord right now. Think about what he's calling you to, to, to that you're holding back maybe. And the idea here is in the... In the in the idea of Levitical language, you, you go up before Jesus and you just put that on the altar. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's your calendar. And just put that before the Lord. I want to challenge you to do that right now. just want to remind you really quick that Jesus walked the road and he calls us to follow him and the truth is we've all been like Nadab and Avihu we hold back and we'll be tempted to hold back again as soon as we walk out that door but we need to let go of our pride and grasp hold of Jesus Amen